Welcome in, everybody, to the Talking About Economics podcast with Jack and Nate. Today, we're going to be talking about Keynesian economics, neoclassical economics, and how they compare and contrast to each other. Alright, the first topic we are going to be discussing today is all about Keynesian economics. And that is a macroeconomic theory of total spending in the economy and its effect on the output, employment, and inflation. Keynesian economics was developed by the British economist John Maynard Keynes during the 1930s in an attempt to understand the Great Depression. And Keynesian economics has many benefits to it as it was developed during the Great Depression. And the main thing that... uh, that was created to do is to create government or increase government expenditure and by increasing that then they thought that they could just pull themselves out of this depression that they were currently in and basically uh, the government expenditure and increase in that it was supposed to manage aggregate aggregate demand in order to address or prevent economic recessions and of course he developed his theories to Uh, response to the Great Depression and was highly critical of the previous economic theories at that time which he referred to as classical economics and activist fiscal and monetary policy are the primary tools recommended by Keynesian economics and they manage the economy and fight unemployment and so basically to get them out of depression the Keynesian economic economics like they increase government expenditure and this is supposed to decrease the they're supposed to decrease taxes or just not increase them at all which would increase the amount of of i guess amount of money that each person is able to spend or each person's getting more money than they would before and but there are also many downfalls to keynesian economics yeah so along with those many benefits there are many downfalls because as you know investing and borrowing money increases interest rates and that's just not good because you don't want high interest rates and the government expenditure if there's a lot of it it can definitely cause the economy to have many different effects that were not originally intended yeah it kind of seems like at first glance like it seems like a good idea but if you dive deeper into it it doesn't really make sense because the his theory was that if you increase government expenditure then you'll somehow be able to decrease or just keep taxes at the same level that doesn't make a total lot of sense because mm-hmm. if the government was supposed to or allowed to increase money they were spending they would have done already without increasing taxes yeah it's definitely one of those things that is more of a idea that works on paper but I don't think it would realistically work all that well in the real world yeah now that we have talked about Keynesian economics I think it's important to talk about one of the other main economic theories and that is the neoclassical economic theory Neoclassical economics is based on how supply and demand affect the economy. And neoclassical economics was created in the, around the 1900s by Alfred Marshall. 
This was created due uh, to the, it was created between the study of wealth distribution and the classical school of marginalism of the Austrian school and the Lausanne school. There are many benefits to neoclassical economics, and the first one is that it is primary, primarily concerned with um, how efficient uh, we can get productive resources, how efficient we can allocate productive resources that are limited, and it also considers the growth of these resources in the long term. This growth can allow for expanding the production of goods and services. At the time when Alfred Marshall created this theory, it was groundbreaking, but he didn't really realize all the downfalls that accompanied it. For example, one of the many downfalls of this theory is that it's too broad, and that's why in 1933 there was many different subsets of this theory. Uh, dealing with how supply creates demand and the other way how demand creates supply which are both flawed in their own right. Um, but one of the other main flaws is that neoclassical economics has an overdependence on mathematical models. It has very unrealistic assumptions such as the full employment. So in neoclassical economics they're saying that if they're viewing it as if the economy has full employment and then taking their assumptions from there, but that's just not realistic. It's nearly, if not totally impossible for a full country to have full employment. Yeah, I completely agree with that. It's just really hard to have your entire model kind of rely on the fact that there's going to be full employment. There's other assumptions too that just probably aren't going to happen, and that's probably one of the biggest flaws with it, because if the situation is never going to happen, how can you truly know that that's a good economic theory? Yeah, I think at the time, like I said, it was groundbreaking and it was a theory that have never been, has never been viewed like that, but mm -hmm. as time went on, and especially during the Great Depression where just lots of economic theories were thrown out the window, I think that uh, it just became irrelevant and they even viewed it as a dead economic theory as time went on. And I think that's why this, unlike the, um, the Keynesian economics, neoclassical, it was obviously before then, but uh, Keynesian economics is much more in, uh, intuitive and takes like a deeper look at what it actually is. And neoclassical economics is just an unrealistic theory that just doesn't happen. Now, let's hear a word from our sponsors. Chicken is one of the greatest foods of all time, wouldn't you agree? What if I told you there's a place that only served chicken? You may think that's a horrible idea to only serve chicken, but you'd be wrong. Keynes has been doing this since 1996, and currently 525 stores are in the U.S. alone. Keynes has been serving their famous chicken with their even more famous special sauce to millions of customers every year. Keynes offers a unique restaurant experience that not most can duplicate. A typical visit to Raising Canes consists of waiting in the drive-thru for about 30 minutes for mediocre chicken tenders for double the price of their competition. If you aren't convinced, then I don't know what will. Head on down to Raising Canes today and prepare to be disappointed. Have you ever wondered what music was like before there was pop music and rap? Have you ever wondered what fancy people listened to? 
Classical music is the answer. Whether you're a rich old person who wears a monocle or a rich old person who wears a big top hat, you will love classical music. I guarantee it. All right, welcome back to the podcast after the commercial break. We are back and we are comparing and contrasting neoclassical economics and Keynesian economics. And one way that they are both similar is that they both believe that they can get an economy out of depression. Neoclassical does this by supply and demand, and Keynesian economics does this by government expenditure. And by using both these methods, they believe that they can get an economy out of a depression or recession. And another way that they are both similar is that they both believe that the consumers are able to run the operation. So, for example, in neoclassical, they think that if there's more demand, then that will cause the supply, and the demand is caused by the consumers. And the other way around, if the supply, if there's more supply, then the demand will increase by the consumers. So they, and then Keynesian believes that if the government expenditure increases and they keep taxes the same, then the consumer will have enough money to bring the government or the economy out of a recession. And the final way that they are similar is that both theories tend to view inflation as a sort of side effect of both theories. Like neoclassical uses, they always view an economy at full or full employment, and inflation inflation is a definite side effect of that. And Keynesian views it as uh, inflation as a side effect as well by government expenditure increasing, just natural cause of inflation. That is definitely true, but this is where I think we start to get into the contrasting part because Keynesian, although they do view it as a side effect, they view it as a price that might have to sometimes be paid for lower unemployment. However, neoclassical economics tends to view it as a cost that offers nothing in terms of lower unemployment. So that's one of the first ways that they start to get a little different. Another way that they are a little bit different is neoclassical is better in the long run and Keynesian is better in the short run. And on top of that, neoclassical focuses on supply and demand running the economy. However, Keynesian only believes that the fluctuation will benefit the economy. Yeah, after hearing that and just reading all the information and research before this, I think that they really aren't that similar. Like they both believe that they can be beneficial to an economy, which is basically every economic theory. But I don't think really when you get in deep with it, they're really not that similar. Like neoclassical is about supply and demand and Keynesian is about government expenditure, which are drastically different things. Yeah, I completely agree. Like, they might have some very basic similarities, but for the most part, they are completely different theories that do completely different things for an economy. Yeah. Nate, I have to ask you a question. Which do you think is better, neoclassical or or Keynesian economics? Personally, I like neoclassical better because of the supply and demand that is run by the consumers. I think that it is a better fit for many economies. Now, I'm going to turn that same question back onto you. Well, I think both are very flawed, but I think I would have to go to Keynesian economics because neoclassical economics was 
ruled as a dead economic theory in the 30s. So I think that kind of just completely removes it from the list, but I both think that they're very flawed. As we conclude our podcast episode today, we would just really like to thank all of our viewers and listeners at home, especially you, Mr. Padilla, for your unmatched support and attention today. And today we talked about Keynesian and neoclassical economics and how they compare and contrast with one another. The resources we used today were CorporateFinanceInstitute.com, OpenStax Macroeconomics Textbook, and Investopedia. We hope you've really enjoyed today's podcast, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for watching.